Welcome to Black Rock Sermons. You're listening to our summer series called Roots. This is the last of the series, and speaking today is Tim Blow. Hey, Black Rock. Again, my name is Tim Blow, and uh, if you've never seen me before, uh, that's because they stashed me up on a third floor as far away from here as possible with students. Um, I am the uh, lead director of student ministries here at Black Rock, and I'm just honored to be with you here uh, this morning. Uh, but before I get into what God has laid upon my heart, uh, I got to take this opportunity for a shameless plug. Uh, you know, I get a rarity to be up here, so I got to take it. Uh, in my opinion, I have uh, the opportunity to lead one of the greatest ministries of the church. Um, student ministry takes on many different shapes and uh, sometimes even smells. Um, but what I can tell you is that when, when you serve once a week and maybe a weekend or two a year, you have the opportunity to help, um, help really shape and mold young lives for Christ. Our leaders kind of mix the concrete for the foundation that students often build their life upon. And our hope and our prayer is that that foundation is on Christ. Um, and if you ever have a desire or, or to work with middle school ministry or high school ministry, and we need, especially need some ladies right now with middle school, um, I'd love to talk with you. I would. Okay, shameless plug done. Done. Um, so this week is the last week of the Root Series here at Black Rock. And I have the privilege of closing uh, this great series out where you've had the chance to hear um, some of the stories and the passions and the hearts of the Black Rock staff. And no need to worry, they actually saved the best for last. So, uh, so glad you're here. So as you can guess this morning, we're going to talk about humility. Um, just kidding. Okay. Actually, I'm very excited uh, to share with you what God has laid upon my heart because God's love has transformed my life in a way that has not only shaped who I am, but has also shaped uh, the ministry that I have to students today. As you can tell in just a second, um, it took a lot of shaping. And keeping with the trend and showing pictures, I want to do the same. So here's, here's one, okay? Here's me. Uh, I have no idea how old I was. My guess is four. Uh, on a carousel. Okay, and now some uh, strange individuals might still think this is cute. So uh, I want to kind of move you to an era of my life that is not cute, and that's junior high. Now, before we get there, I want to explain to you how transparent I'm going to be. These are bad, okay? Um, awkward uh, central. Okay, here we go. First one. Ooh, yes, braces. Um, all right, let's not hang out. Okay, here we go. Flat top. Um, no, wait. Stay there. Just so you know, you are not cool unless you've had a flat top. Uh, ladies included, just letting you know. Um, braces. Oh, man. Okay, the next one. This is my last year of junior high. Okay, and these are from my yearbooks. Sorry they look like this, but that's the only pictures I have is my yearbooks. I still have them all. Um, and uh, this is me. Uh, I was on the wrestling team. And... Ninth grade year, and that was my last year of junior high, was a big year for me. 
uh, that year I put on, and you could, maybe you could tell the difference, I put on about 25 pounds of muscle, and uh, I worked as hard as I could to be the best at wrestling as I could be. And I'd done that since I was a little kid. And that year, I, I really earned the respect of my peers, and I was in a very large school, um, because I went undefeated uh, in meets that year. And for an insecure middle school guy, that was a huge boost in my self-confidence. It really was. However, to be honest, that boost was demolished and was a distant memory for me in a very short time period after I entered high school. But before we get into that, let me give you a little bit of backstory. Um, I grew up in an amazing family with an incredible legacy of following Christ. Um, both sets of my grandparents, uh, and I still have three of my grandparents today, but all of them uh, have known and loved the Lord. In fact, one of my grandfathers um, was a, pa- a lay pastor for many years in a small country church where I grew up learning many of those same hymns. My entire extended family are Christ followers, including some missionaries, and this is the environment that I grew up in. And I, never, I always took that for granted, never realized how blessed I was. When I was uh, four or five, I, I uh, uh, placed my faith and trust in Christ, and, um, and growing up in the church... I just soaked up a lot of head knowledge uh, about, about the Word um, from my family, great Sunday school teachers, my youth pastor. See, I was entering high school, and honestly, things were great. I mean, I was an active part of my church, uh, striving to be su- successful in school uh, and on the wrestling team at the high school level. And like many guys my age at that time, my radar started picking up on all the lovely ladies all around me. Um, I was always one of these guys that had a a number of uh, female friends. And and it was because, they, as they would say, I was a nice guy. Um, And maybe you can see where this is going. Um, The thing was, honestly, as a high, high school boy, I didn't necessarily want to stay at that friendship level with many of these ladies. Not many, I should rephrase that. Um, But I didn't want to stay at the friendship level entirely. And over the course of the school year, I faced a number of rejections from these girls that I really cared about. Uh, I spent a ton of time with them. You know, they were my friends. They knew me. I knew them. They weren't just some random girls. And so I took these rejections really hard. And this is where it began. The subtle messages that began entering my thoughts. Questions like, how come these girls rejected me? Is there something wrong with me? It started there, but quickly, my thoughts continued to spiral down over the next few months. Until I was asking the questions, why would anyone be interested in me? Does anybody even care? I remember being at the Creation Music Festival in 1996 when it was at Hershey Park in Pennsylvania because it had gotten rained out for the second year in a row from its normal location in the mountains of Pennsylvania. And across the street from the Hershey Stadium where the conference was taking place were the Hershey Gardens. And it was right near where my youth group was camping for the week. And as I was there, I remember these gardens were just beautiful. And... Um, I found myself sitting in this garden and surrounded by beauty, but yet at the same time being at the darkest and ugliest place of my life. 
I remember being in tears as I cried out to God, Why did you make me this way? Will anyone ever love me? What is the point of me even staying in this world? The pain that I felt at that moment was so very real. I can't even, honestly, I can't even explain to you the ache that I had in my heart. My feelings at that moment were so real. But can I tell you something? Even though those, those feelings were real, they all stemmed from lies. A lie that somehow my worth comes from girls accepting me or not. A lie that maybe God couldn't be trusted with when it came to my future. I don't know exactly where these lies stem from, but what I do know is that they were, these were lies that I had bought into and they were devouring my very self. Can you pray with me? Gracious Father, you promised us through Jesus, Lord, that if we follow your teachings, that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And Father, I ask you that even this morning, that there would be people that are set free. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would open up the eyes and the hearts and the minds of your kids. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, uh, I invite you to open up with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to be looking at uh, verses 7 to 10 this morning. Um, you can follow along. It'll be up here on the screen, but you can also follow along in your own Bible. Verse 7. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Stay alert and watch out for, the, uh, for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. As we look at this passage, we're going to start off in in verse 8. Verse 8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. You know, in this verse here, the Apostle Peter is giving a huge wake-up call to a very real enemy that we have and what he wants to do to us. So let's start right there and what Satan wants to do. He wants to devour us. He does. He wants to devour us. So don't be devoured. I mean, that sounds pretty extreme, doesn't it? Devoured? I mean, it seems like something we would see coming, right? I mean, if, if our very lives were on the brink of destruction, you think we would know. But maybe not. But before we get into that, how is Satan looking to devour us? And here's the first way. He's looking to devour us by deception. He's looking to devour us by deception. See, John 8.44 says this about, about our enemy. It says, The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. 
Folks, Satan is the father of lies. He doesn't have to strike you down or smite you in some supernatural way. He prefers to let us self-destruct as he sits back and watches. He'll let us destroy ourselves by getting us to buy into a lie or a set of lies. And this has been Satan's M.O. from the very beginning of time. Adam and Eve, David and Bathsheba, Judas Iscariot. And I can go on and on and on of how he has deceived people and getting them to buy into some sort of lie. Satan can devour us by getting us to destroy ourselves. All he has to do is whisper a little lie. And when we buy into that lie and another and another, the results can snowball into disaster. But here's the thing. When Satan looks to devour us in this way, it's often not so obvious. That's why Peter tells us here to stay alert. Watch out. He prowls around like a roaring lion. See, Satan has, has had since the beginning of time, beginning of creation, to perfect his art of deception. And honestly, he was great at it from the get-go. And he's still really good at it. See, because if it was obvious, if these lies were obvious, we'd never buy into it. See, from the outside, when we see people who maybe have bought into a lie or we read about that in the Word of God, we're like, what's wrong with you? Can't you see that this is just a lie that you're believing? Can't you see the truth? But when it's you, when it's myself that Satan is whispering that initial lie to, It's not that obvious. And that's why Peter describes Satan as a a prowling lion. Lions sneak up on their prey until they're in easy striking range. They come in low and slow. And I think that's often how Satan comes and approaches us. He gets us to to buy into a small lie and then another and then another. And so before we know it, our lives are on the verge of of being devoured and we have no idea how we got there. But Satan also looks for easy prey. He looks for easy prey. You know, when a lion attacks a group of animals and comes up to the group of animals, it often does not try to take on the, the biggest and the strongest. Because often that doesn't work out too well. It's a lot of energy, not a lot of payoff. Instead... The lion looks for those that are young, that are weak, that are hurting, that are bleeding. And see, Satan takes the same approach when he, when he looks to devour us. He looks for those that are young in the faith or facing some kind of hurt or trial. And hurt we will. That's guaranteed. All of us face hurt in life. I mean, Jesus makes that clear in John 16, where he says, In this world, you will have trouble. We are the easiest targets when we are hurting, when we're bleeding. It's like when we pray for that loved one to be healed. And we we fervently pray, God, heal, please heal them. And he takes them home instead. Or his answer is different. And it's at that point, Satan loves to step in and whisper things like, Does God really care? Does he really hear your prayers? Is he even there? Or maybe you're like me when I was a high school student. And you've, in the face of rejection, Satan will begin 
to worship lies until you are in a place and how you view yourself that you could have never foreseen. I was on the edge of being devoured. Let's pick up back with my story. So I'm in these gardens and I'm crying out to God and wondering why I should even continue in this game of life. And honestly, I think it's exactly what Satan wanted to do. I think he wanted to take me out of the game, to be honest. The crazy part about it is that I was really good at hiding my pain. My family didn't know. My friends didn't know. My parents didn't know until years later when I told them. So later that day, the same day that I'm crying out to God, all 100,000 people gather in Hershey Stadium to hear uh, one of the speakers, who's supposed to be really funny, you know. And I could use a little funny at that point. Um, he was a short, fat Australian dude who was pretty cool if, for no other reason than his accent, okay. And as he spoke, I began to think that he was speaking directly to me. He said, all you guys out there with your backwards hat and your cut-off shirts and your long shorts. And I'm like, oh man, you know, kind of freaked me out a little bit. But what he said next really rocked my world because he wasn't describing what I was wearing. He was describing the very ache of my heart and he yelled out, I know that you're longing for acceptance. You so long to be loved, but... When are you going to realize that the God of the universe loves you? He's already accepted you. He sent his son to die for you. And in that moment, God, through his Holy Spirit, opened my eyes and devoured the lies that I had bought into about who I was. I was looking for love and searching for love, not fully realizing, to quote one of my favorite songs, That all I had to do was look up and see that love had a face. That's the face of Jesus Christ. I can't even begin to describe to you what happened to me that day. God filled me with an indescribable joy and peace when only moments before I was filled with sorrow. A joy, honestly, that has become a huge part of my Christian life, of who I am. And it was at that point that God's word began to transform my life. Can I be honest though? Because there are times that my heart still aches. When I know that there are students who are hurting, who have bought into lies, through my tears I fervently pray that God would just set them free, would open their eyes about who he is, and who they are in Christ. You know, I've seen students go through really, some really difficult and painful circumstances. And I have compassion for them. But what breaks my heart more so, what truly breaks my heart, is when someone is enslaved to lies. Because if you have bought into, the, into a lie, you are the opposite of free. I mean, if you're, if you're curious... At all as to why I work my tail off and exhaust myself as a youth pastor and, and continue to do, plan to continue to do so for years to come. It's because my heart breaks for hurting students. And I long for every student to really fully grasp the freedom and the fullness that we can have in Christ. And for their lives to be transformed by the living word of God. And that's what I hope and pray for. 
You know, we've been warned by the Apostle Peter that Satan is looking to devour us. But as we face our hurts, Peter also tells us how to resist our enemy in verses 9 and 10. Verse 9 says, Stand firm against the devil and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. So the first thing we have to do in this is resist the lies knowing that we are not alone. Knowing that we're not alone. See, when you're facing a painful time in your life, it's really easy to feel like you're all alone, that no one else understands. And that's what makes us most vulnerable to Satan's deception. But being alone is the farthest thing from the truth. If you're a follower of Christ, you're part of the family of God. And all over the world, and even in this church, you have family that have gone through or are going through something just like you. And being part of the family of God also means that we have a daddy who will carry us through. 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. We can combat lies knowing that our Heavenly Father was with us and He will carry us through. So that we, in turn, can help our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ as they face similar hurts. Verse 10 says this. It says, In His kindness, God called you to share in His eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So that after you have suffered a little while, He will restore, support, and strengthen you. He will place you on a firm foundation. We can resist the lies also by knowing that our future is awesome. It is. Sometimes when we're in the dark place, we don't see the future and all it looks is bad. But we can know if we are in Christ, our future is awesome. You know, earlier I shared a verse from John 16 where Jesus said that in this world we'll have trouble. But I didn't share with you the entire verse. And I'm going to do that with you now. Here's what it says. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, we can resist lies by the power of the gospel. Really, it's, it's through Christ that we have peace. It's through Christ that we can be restored and supported and strengthened. It's through Christ that we can stand firm against the lies of our enemy and not have our world pulled out from underneath us. Let me just close out this morning by kind of giving you uh, a couple ways um, that we can combat the lies of the enemy. Here's the first thing we can do. We need to examine. We need to examine our hearts and our lives to see, are we believing lies? Are we believing lies? I mean, as I shared that story about myself and what I went through, I may have um, made it seem like there, it's only teenagers who face those kind of things. But can I tell you, I've talked to numerous adults 
who have been carrying some of these painful lies for way too long. As adults, we learn to somehow like move on or, you know, build our life around these lies that we bought into. And yet, missing out on, on the fullness of life that God wants for us. Folks, if you've bought into a lie about who you are, let me tell you this. The God of the universe, he loves you. The God who, who, uh, who created the vastness of the universe farther than, than we can see in any telescope, down to the very smallest of particles uh, and smaller than we even know of yet. That God, he loves you. He does. In fact, he loves you so much, you might question how much you're worth. Well, he thinks you're worth enough to die for. That's exactly what he did for you. But there are many other types of lies out there as well, not just about who we are or about who he is. There's other things. Like, you may know that God is calling you to tithe, but then you find yourself thinking, well, what difference will what I give make? I'm sure someone else will do it. Or things like, you know, God is calling you to raise your daughter to know and to love him and to follow his plan for her life. But you find yourself thinking, well, what's really the big deal in, in letting her listen to this music? I mean, all the girls are listening to this, these guys and screaming over them. What's the big deal? Well, all the time, these guys are carrying a massive amount of influence and telling your daughters to give themselves away. You know that God's word is truth. Maybe you find yourselves in the culture that we, are, we live in and the lies are being told that you wonder, is the Bible really as applicable today as it was 2,000 years ago? And slowly you may begin to exchange truth for the abyss of relativism. You know, honestly, I could go on and on and on about, about these lies because there's so many that Satan tries to tell us because he's so good at getting us to buy into and to believe things that are contrary to the truth that we find in the Word of God. We need to examine our, our lives and see if we bought into any of these lies, but we also need to communicate. We need to communicate. Here's what I mean. As I mentioned in my story, my friends and family had no idea what I was going through. They had no idea what I was facing because I had hidden it. And it stayed that way because in that point in my life, I didn't have anybody that I openly shared my struggles and my hurts with. that could have helped me point, point me in the right direction and away from these lies. You know, it's very us to see someone that we know, someone that we love, and we see decent behavior, and so we think everything's okay. But just because things seem, seem to be okay... It doesn't mean that it's necessarily the case. Without open and honest conversations, fellowshipping together, doing life together, hurt and pain can remain completely hidden. If you're buying into lies or you're facing hurts, share it with someone. Don't go it alone. God designed us, as I said in the announcements earlier, God designed us to do life together, to be in relationships if someone, someone comes to you and shares their struggle that they're going through, they're having, 
I cannot express to you the importance that you respond to them with grace and truth and love. Minimizing them or their hurt or responding with anger or disappointment can cause them to never open up again about what's really going on in their life. And the last thing that we can do to combat lies of our enemy is to be transformed by knowing the truth. If we want to combat lies, we have to know the truth. We have to learn what God's word says and commit it to memory. But it's not just enough to know it in your mind. Because see, if you had asked me, if you had gotten me aside, not knowing what was going on in that darkest time of my life, and you would ask me, hey Tim, do you know that God loves you? I would have said, oh yeah, of course he does. I was taught that when I was little. I know that. But yet I didn't believe it to the point that it transformed who I am. So many times we allow it to stay right there in our head. And we never live it out as part of our lives. Like I said, I knew it. But I didn't live it. But we are transformed by truth when we allow it to move from just being head knowledge to being something that we live out each and every day. Jesus tells us in John chapter 8 verses 31 and 32 that if you keep obeying what I have said, you will know the truth and that truth will set you free. It's about living the truth and making it real in our lives. Is it always easy? No. It's not. In fact, it's often really hard. But God wants us to stop trying to live perfectly on our own strength. Instead, to give it to Him. Because He says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. His grace has saved us, and it's His grace that perfects us. It's not what we do. We just need to lay it at His feet. So my hope and my prayer for all of us here this morning is that we would know the truth and through the power of His grace, we would live in that truth and combat the lies of our enemy. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, I know in here this morning that there are people who are hurting. But there's no way in a room of this size that that's not the case. And Father, I know that there's also people in this room who may have bought into a lie. Maybe they've kind of jumped in with culture or they've, or they've believed a lie about who they are, about who you are. But God, I pray that you would, this morning, you would set them free. Lord, your Holy Spirit would just open their eyes so they could see the truth. Because Lord, there's no joy in being a slave to a lie. And Lord, for those that are hurting, I pray that they would rest and find their peace and comfort in you, in the truth of your word, that you'll never leave them, you'll never forsake them. It doesn't matter how bad life gets, you are there to help them through every step of the way. Father, thank you so much for this morning, and I pray blessing on these folks here. Pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.